Hi, so Mike. Then he's, then he's got four people sitting in the room. Uh-huh. Everything fails, and it takes him a half an hour to figure it all out with people sitting online waiting to do an interview. That sucks. But you know what else? You know what else sucks? Decon else? sucks. Decon does suck. But you know what doesn't suck? What? Or how we can make it suck less? What? Is using is using first line technologies hybrid decon. Oh, they are stuff. absolutely revolutionizing the decon process with their bar method, which is blot, apply, and remove using wet and dry decon. Unbelievable. No more rigging hoses, finding areas long and large enough to, to set up all that crap. The system's compact. You talk, toss it in the back of the cheese vehicle, that kind of small. Yep, so uh, don't take our word for it. Do your own recon at MakeDeconSuckLess.com or visit them at FirstLineTech.com. Remember, First Line Technology is making decon suck just a little bit less. Hey, Mike. How are you? Hey, good morning, Bob. Good. How are you? Back with episode 408. Um, yeah, we're, we're moving along nicely here. I'm feeling very fuzzy. Am I looking very fuzzy? Yeah, but it's all right. It's the, uh, right. It's the soft effect. It's a, one of those Insta-Snap filters <laughs> all the kids are using today. So, I you know what? So they're going to feel better. very at home. Yeah. Well, yeah. come on. Look at this. I know. I know. <laughs> it's, I, I'm I, your wingman. I make you look good. Yeah, <laughs> um, man, there are so many conferences that are coming up, and we are going to. It's like almost a dozen right now. I don't even have the list, but I will have a full list because there's so many things going in the in the uh, in the hopper right now. But I know this special is happy hours, the fourth Thursday of the month, 1900 hours. You can find it always at thehazmatguys.com/slash/happy, and check out the FDNY's shirt locker. Uh, FDNYHazmat1.com That's the number one And uh, get your, your latest swag In fact, we have a couple of those Well, one of those guys here today uh, We should probably bring them on now One of those guys? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alright, hello, one of those guys What's oh. going on, guys? Hey! We have Long time no see Yeah, we have two guests here uh, We have in the top right of your, your screen uh, Matt Sabini Hi, Matt What's up, everybody? How's it going? Good. And in the bottom left, Travis Rebello. How's it going, everyone? Hi. <laughs> Very enthusiastic. Listen to them both. Thrilled to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, actually, you know what? Take a second. Explain who you are and what you do. Trav, go. Yeah, I'm the um, education and training coordinator for the Massachusetts Hazardous Materials Response Division. Um, I handle the training for uh, about 270 technicians across the state of Massachusetts. Uh, also part of the response division as a hazmat tech as well. Nice. Matt? Welcome. Yeah. Okay. I'm a firefighter from uh, New York City. I work with uh, Bobby and Mike. Uh, great experience. And uh, hazmat one. So that's one of those guys. They haven't figured it out yet. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I'm the shirt locker guy, so please go stop by that website. <laughs> yeah. Get yourself loaded up on some swag. Totally, man. You got you, you to gotta get in there. But the funny thing is, is like, uh, it kind of came by our, our radar today. We were talking about something, and it was totally unrelated. 
and this topic came up, and we were talking about um, safe cracking. Yes. Right? And yep. the, the, the wires got crossed, and we've had, I've had a couple of these things, um, and it turns out that Matt had one, and Travis had one, and so we're like, holy crap, why don't we just like, do a show on like, what happens when you crack a safe? Right, or when the safe tries to crack you. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of exactly what is happening, right? A lot of these safes are, they have kind of built-in security systems. And uh, if you mess with them, you F with them wrong, you can get a fate full of unhappiness. Right. So we got two guys, two totally separate runs, and I'd love to hear both of them and compare and contrast uh, what was done, what wasn't done, and see, you know, what what uh, what things you can adopt in, in your next safe run and what things you may want to be like, yeah, I remember those idiots did it. I ain't doing that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where do you want to go? Matt, why don't you take us through yours? Because – I'm sure we can all kind of relate to this thing. Usually these are very old uh, safes, yeah. right? Yeah, so that's what we found out uh, doing this. Apparently, back in the old days, you could booby trap your stuff and not get in trouble for, uh, <laughs> with the law for <clears throat> messing with the people trying to rob you. Um, so we got the, the good ticket. old days. Yeah, the good old days. <laughs> when you could use uh, chemical agents to deter that, uh, thieves. Yeah. So we had this came in. Uh, we were dispatched to two construction workers uh, overcome on the ground, and that's basically all the information we had. Uh, by the time we got there, they were the the scene was it was like a 15, 18 story old uh, building. They were in the process of demoing it. They the front facade of the building is pretty much gone, so you could literally see into most of the floors. And that included the outer wall, the elevator shaft. So their plan was with this safe, because it was all the way up on one of the upper floors, and it was so heavy, they pushed it to the elevator shaft, let it go down, crash on the bottom, and two guys on the bottom were going to push it, hold it in place while Bobcat came up and they put it to the front loader. I've seen that's cartoons like that. That sounds like, a very, that sounds like a very New York way of dealing with it. Right? Like, hey, just fucking throw it down the elevator. In all fairness, that's what I tried to do with the drums of batteries when that first started happening. So I do understand. Holy cow. Uh, and how big was this, this safe? Like three foot by two foot by two foot? Uh, it might have been slightly larger than that. It was maybe four feet tall, probably at least three feet wide, and yeah, probably a good two feet deep. Holy so when this cow. thing hit the ground, it basically had the outer doors had blown open, but there were another set of inner doors, and they had kind of cracked open. They weren't completely off. So when these two guys at the bottom of the elevator shaft were going to – they weren't going to move it. I guess they were just going to stand there and hold it while the front loader came to scoop it up. As soon as they walked near it, they, that's when they got overcome, went down. Um, so by the time we got there, they were gone. And we just got the report of their symptoms, just like respiratory uh, irritation, eyes watering, nauseous, headache. Uh, and, and like I said, they're already gone. So that was just, we were getting that second hand. We made entry on air. Um, we had everything, the five gas meters, single gas meters, pH papers, and the AP4C. Uh, 
I'd never been to one of these. The guy I was working with on entry, one of the senior guys, he'd never been been to one of these either. So we didn't know about the coral pickering thing. As uh, we got up, nothing, no meters went off for anything until the AP4C got by one of the cracks of those inner doors and the HNO channel just started screaming. <clears throat> so the resource guy did a great job, gave him that information. He was calling... Uh, he was calling businesses down in the Diamond District in Manhattan to find out what could be in the safes, if they had any idea. And then through more research, we found out that it was an old depth deterrent. You would put this coral pickering inside. And if you were trying to crack the safe, it would break the vial containing the coral pickering. It would release basically like, an, um, <clears throat> like a chemical war agent. I guess they, I read a little bit. They, I guess I start, they started using a version of it in World War One. So... Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, so we basically we popped the doors open, through the research. We we obviously we never got to confirm it, but that's what it, all the signs pointed to. Uh, we dumped some green stuff on the liquid, scooped it up, overpacked the green stuff. All the readings were gone. That was it. Bob Jonkel. Nice. All right, and Travis. What did you have? <laughs> uh, something very similar. Uh, it was an old pharmacy that was being remodeled into a I believe it was a, an insurance agent or a real estate agent um, new office building so um, as they were remodeling it they found a safe it was a little bit smaller than Matt's uh, probably about that you know two foot by three foot size they uh, it, it was sealed up uh, they tried opening it up they were then messing with it and they actually activated the anti-tamper device on it and there were four vials of chloropicrin in the back. It actually broke two of them and released the gas. They, um, there were three people there. All three went to the hospital to be evaluated. Two of them actually had nosebleeds from the uh, exposure to it. Wow. Um, I guess, yeah, right? Uh, shortness of breath, that, that whole thing. So by the time we got there, um, suited up some guys to get in there. We went in again, uh, you know, the PID, um, some other technologies and we, we had nothing on the meters at that point we found some broken glass on the ground um but there was there was really nothing left of it at that point everything had kind of been vented and um there was really nothing else to find the um the device was still hanging from the inside of the safe door which obviously they were able to open it uh once it activated uh we pulled the back of that off and there were two intact vials so we took uh, a ramen device and shot it and it actually came back as chloropicrin um but we kind of we've had these in the past and we kind of suspected that that's what it was um but it was kind of nice to be able to confirm it yeah so that that's a picture of the back of the safe that hole that's cut into it there was uh, a metal cover with the four vials right on right on top of that and that was the anti anti tamper device inside of it huh. And that, that's what was left. Those those are the two vials that were uh, left intact. So any way you drilled in there, you're going to pop one of those puppies. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. So what is then chloropectin? So evidently it was classified as a, as a uh, chemical warfare agent during World War I, uh, just like chlorine and um, some of your other um, respiratory agents. Yeah, I remember um, chloroprit is like trichloronitromethane or something like that. It's it's a pretty potent uh, energetic thing too. It's like um, didn't you have also regaku? 
picture here? Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, you would have actually a really nice Ragaku reading, right? Yeah, oh, I mean, if, if you look at the Spectre. Spectre. Yeah. The kid's still got it. The, uh, the Spectre on it was actually pretty clear. Yeah, they'd scrape up. Nice job. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't throw out your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> kid's still got it. <laughs> so this was, through, this was through the, the intact vials. Obviously, there was nothing left to, to sample you know, in the air. Uh, no. Did you guys do the AP4C by any chance? No, uh, this was two years ago. We did not have the AP4C at that time. Okay. Uh, you know what? All right, so I'm just looking at this thing, and it, and it says it's not a flammable. It's a big health and reactivity thing. It's a blister agent. It's a CWA. So... And and both of you guys had people that were exposed to this thing, and you said that basically once they were removed from the area, they were kind of cleared out. Would you like? Yeah, would you? Much. Would you say it's kind of like a, a Macy type thing where, you know, it's not a sticky type thing where it's going to be consistently giving you the symptoms, or was it like kind of like Mace where as soon as you go outside, all is better? On ours, the uh, the patients were already gone by the time we got there in the in the ambulance. But the workers that were there that were say, said before they left, the symptoms had all substantially resided. So, I'd say it kind of sounds like a, very similar to like mace. Like once you get out of the area, even uh, looking at some of the NIOSH resources on the coral picker, and says, you know, after removal from the area, the symptoms will start to start to subside. So it count, so, sounds pretty similar to it. Yeah. So you know, our, our victims, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Our victims um, also had left for the hospital before we got there. And once we positively identified it as chloropicrin, we actually sent a technician to the hospital to speak to the attending doctor. So they, you know, hey, this is what we have. They were right. already discharged by the time I got there. They, they <laughs> cut them loose and said, they're fine. Move along. So, what a yeah. crappy chemical warfare agent. Yeah. Like, I, I just got to walk away and I feel better. <laughs> yeah, because, well, I'm just looking up real kind of quick, and it says it was a poison gas in World War I. Uh, it's a fumigate. It is mainly done for insects and etc. However, like, the vapor pressure is 18 millimeters of mercury at STP. So that's that's more of a, I have to go find it, which, which makes sense, because if you're a, a, a safe cracker, you know, you only want to get the safe cracker and not right. gas the whole building. You know, so someone on the lower end of the, the vapor pressure range makes sense. But So for... if it's 18, Travis, did you have liquid when you... So I, if you look at that picture, it almost looks like it was just a picture of the floor. Right. Uh, when we went in there, that was actually just the glass vials on the floor. There was actually no liquid left at all. It was completely dry by the time we got in there. Okay, but that you know what, like surface area makes more vapors. So like right, if it's, it's splashed yeah. out, it's the same same vapor pressure as water. So you could imagine a vial of water evaporating when it's spread out. Yeah, that's that's pretty clear. Those spikes oh, yeah. are all yeah. over each other. Wow, that's interesting. Like, um... all right. So what are what are some of the things? Matt, you said this was one of your first uh, chloropictin runs. What would you do differently for the next run? And what would you suggest for people who, you know, I might have this. How can I move forward? Well, as far as things I would have liked to 
I would do different next time. I would have definitely liked to done um, broken out the secondary meters and try to try to get a positive ID with the Rigaku or, or um, you know one of the many other things we carry on our rigs. I would have liked to given it a try. Um, <clears throat> A lot of times on unknowns, we never get to figure it out. We mitigate it, emergency's done. We never really, everybody's safe and healthy. That That's the end of the incident. So we never really get to find out. So just being what it is, is and it was a cool learning experience. I, I, I would have liked to have done, shot it with a secondary, try to ID it. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if it would, if the, on the chemical classifier strips, if the halogen group would have popped up with the, the chlorine. Yeah, Trav, when you when you did the Rigaku on this, did you shoot it through the glass vials? Yeah, yep. That's, that's and we shot it. It was actually, if you see, we had it overpacked in the bag. I shot it through the bag and the vials. Ah, okay. I was going to ask that because, like, I would be a little suspect with something that's a hundred years old. You know, when you're shooting lasers into glass, that's at least 100 years old. It's like, eh. yeah, yeah, it was a concern. So, like I said, uh, we shot it. We had an overpack, a five-gallon uh, pail with um, Speedy Dry in it to kind of overpack it in that. We shot it while it was in the bag in the overpack, uh, and we were still in PP when we did it. So, what were we you wearing? What the hell? Uh, actually, I was just wearing bunker gear and SCBA. Similar to us, we were doing the same. We were bunker gear SCBA. I knowing knowing now that it's chloropictin, would you change like if you were to say, "Hey, we got a safe that's dropped. We got blah blah blah." Would you change your PPE? Would you go to Would you go to something different? Considering it is still classified as a blister agent. I mean, our run on our box, it was outdoors, so I wasn't. <clears throat> it, it, you know, it seemed. The readings weren't that high on the AP4C. I, I mean, I'm, I would in that scenario, I think I would be comfortable in the bunker gear SCBA. Um, as far as our run, uh, we went in on kind of like a recon with bunker gear and SCBA, and finding what we found, there was nothing there. So there was no reason to switch it, out. No, absolutely not. Especially with the quantity, like I would be pretty comfortable, like it's not an unlimited amount of liquid that you're going to have to be potentially splashed with it's like four vials they're just long test tubes basically uh you know again that's that's it so they're just longer test tubes if i'm conscious of not splashing on me i think i'd be okay just picking this up with some gloves and putting it into a baggie and some speedy dry. you can see the the speedy dry bucket behind them uh i don't think i would upgrade ppe yeah, now I, I got no issue with, with Bunker Gear, STBI. So going in, if you're going to go in, if somebody else goes into a safe run, in, in you said in the research you found that this was one of the chemicals used. Are there other chemicals that were used as deterrents in safes um, to be able to say, okay, no, this is definitely like a chloropictin, or uh, was there other indicators? So... Um... I believe the resource guy on our run, they had he had heard of a couple of different other ones, but the basically the channel that was lighting up on the AP4C with the HNO bond was making us was leading us making us lean towards coral pickering. Gotcha. Compared to some of the other ones, just based on the the the, uh, the chemical makeup of it. 
That is so I funny, mean, man. We, we also, during our research, had found some anecdotal um, talk of some more severe chemical weapons like a sulfur mustard or, or something like that being um, used in the safes. But again, it was all anecdotal. We could find no, no evidence of that actually being the case anywhere. And I don't, nothing we could find actually showed it documented as anything um, that powerful being used. I would, again, I, you know, I didn't, I was never a safe cracker, <laughs> allegedly. Uh, no, <laughs> no, like, I'm just trying to think, like, you see all these movies and they make it like, you know, there's, you know, there's going to be like a visible cloud coming out, you know, and it's almost like this stuff I'm sure is like taking just a pounding right in your face, but it's probably over kind of quickly as long as you get away from the safe. That's the intent. <laughs> Which makes no sense to me, because back in, like, the 1800s, they wouldn't give a shit if you dropped dead three steps away. And they would, like, why right. they would use, why they wouldn't use something that was, like, you know, going to make sure that guy never cracks another safe for the rest of his life. Well, I mean, because I don't want you to contaminate my shit as well, right? I mean, I got valuable stuff in there. I don't want it covered with sulfur mustard, uh, something that's going to be a lot more persistent. So I'd want something that would kind of piss them off and then go away. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's that's a good point. Oh, I'm trying to think of anything else. Like there, I'm sure there was more chemicals, and it's very funny that it's very hard. I'm researching this as like we're doing this, and it's very hard to find other chemicals that are were used in this thing. But like some of the old school stuff that was used, like sulfur dioxide in refrigerants, like uh, refrigerators and stuff, it's coming back. So I don't know if chloropicrin is going to be back in the safes um but i you know guys if you're if you're if you have these things in your area like we actually it's kind of funny because me mike and uh and brian we were in um virginia and we ate in a restaurant that used to be a bank and we ate in the vault in the vault <laughs> and i'm sound when i'm talking about this i'm like boy i wonder if there's real chloropicrin in, in that door like you know like there like so if you have old safes or buildings that are being demoed and stuff like that this could be something that is in your area and again like i mean i good personally i'm trying to figure out how to retrofit my safes with it so <laughs> did, did you ever see I those think it's a great old, idea like those old mouse tracks and it wasn't even like a mouse track it was just like a it was like a uh, a shotgun shell and it would just like it, once it stepped on the pedal, it would just get blasted with like twelve gauge. Yeah, yeah. It's like wow, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> they, they were they were serious back then, man. They were. They, but they was... I kind of feel like that's how a gun safe should be set up. Like, right, that, right. Like I mean, <laughs> you have all the equipment you need. Why are you gonna go to chloropicrin? Just something like a string. Yeah. You know, you open right. the door that's and it pulls it. a string and. And you get the Daffy Duck uh, blackface kind of thing, like you, you, your bills are on the back of your head. Yeah, it never seems to work out like that. No, no, it <laughs> Bill does goes not. through the head. <laughs> um, I think that wraps it up. What do you think? I, I, I can't think of too many other questions. You guys have anything that? Uh, what's the? Anybody get a smell off of it? Just real quick. You know what? Not that I was ever told. No. No. It, I see an old. Um, poster let me see if i can throw this up on the screen uh share screen 
It smelled like flypaper. <laughs> Who this the was fuck a... is smelling flypaper? I, I don't know. Huh. Uh, this is from, I guess, World War One or Two, where cry, cough, vomit, quiet, and then wash your eyes for warmth. I don't even know what that means. That's just a word salad of, of things. But this is a war poster for how you know it's chloropicrin. Well, yeah, I wonder if that's like a public health announcement if you come into contact while it's going off or something for civilians. I don't know. It's a little creepy. That is so <laughs> weird. A little bit, yeah. So if he, if he smells flypaper and nobody's cutting onions and it's not dusty in the room, and you're a safe cracker. Uh, and uh, we would like any videos of anybody finding out what flypaper smells like. <laughs> just, you know, upload them to the YouTube channel or to, the, yeah, to Facebook. And... Help us. So help I you, actually, I had one, uh, one more thing to bring up about our run. Um, when we've had these in the past, we actually had EOD uh, usually involved with us and they countercharged most of it and oh. it went away. Um, I've always been kind of against that where this is a chemical problem. I, you know, I, I'm not really keen on countercharging chemical problems. So um, this time we, we had those two tubes and we overpacked them um, and we left them for uh, the local jurisdiction to be able to uh, dispose of. Turns out they had a really difficult time finding a cleanup contract to come and take that overpack because it was still classified as a chemical warfare agent. Um, hmm. So now that you know, counter charging thing made a whole lot more sense after yeah. after they found out how difficult it was to get rid of it. So it sounds like something that breaks in the street. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying it was a bitch to get rid of. So <laughs> well, what with the EOD? I guess when when it did blow up, it was probably consuming it thermally. Yeah, yeah, it was it was destroyed within. Uh, within the counter charge. So there was really never any evidence left of it. But again, as a as a hazmat guy, I'm kind of against dealing with chemical problems in that manner if, if we don't have to. Um, but I didn't realize the can of worms we kind of left behind with that overpack um, for someone wow. to get rid of later, so. Yeah, uh, and, but I guess you guys definitively knew it was it was that. So you can't even turn around and be like, I don't know. It's technically an unknown. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like, Matt's run, it was like, it might be chloropictin, but we don't really know. So it's just an unknown chemical. Yeah, we took those photos. We really didn't think it through. It, yeah, we had some pretty concrete evidence that that's what it was. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Thank you guys for coming awesome, on. Um, appreciate it. You guys giving us a little uh, insight into these uh, types of runs. And if you guys need anybody out there needs uh, training on these, um, we have an entire course on this stuff. So contact us at training at thehazmatguys.com or info at thehazmatguys or Bob at thehazmatguys or anything at thehazmatguys basically will work. Uh, we've, get... we've got an email for every word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll leave you some chloropicrum behind as a prompt. <laughs>